You're listening to The Female Entrepreneur's Journey, The Good, The Bad, and The Branding with Danielle Clem, the weekly podcast created for fellow entrepreneurs, whether just starting out, established in your business, or simply testing out the waters. We're here to put the real back in entrepreneurial reality. Each episode guides you through the different paths walked and lessons learned by fellow bosses, how they got through it, and tips that got them there sprinkled in with a little business branding and a whole lot of heart. One question is, are you ready to dive in? Here's your host, designer, marketer, and frequent iced coffee drinker, Danielle Clem. Hey everyone, Danielle here. Just a quick friendly heads up before we get started that we have a community over on Facebook created for women just like you called the Female Biz Journey Insider Group. So you can find that over on Facebook and it'll be down in the show notes here to help you with any extra info, resources, or anything else that the guests or myself want to throw at you. So if that sounds good to you, then head over there and we can talk a little bit more. Now let's get started with the show. Hey guys, I am here with the amazing Ashley Mason at Dash of Social, who is a social media consultant for women entrepreneurs, and through her consulting and management programs, she helps her clients to create and execute social media strategies that attract their dream clients, amplify their online presence, and grow an engaged and loyal following. Now that is an awesome mission. I'm so happy to have you here, Ashley. Thanks for having me, Danielle. All right. So the way that I like to start this podcast is I like to begin the show with the start of your journey, the way that you came to where you are and end it with the present and future. So if you can tell me a little bit about how you grew up and kind of what led you into this profession or career. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was 15 years old, I started a fashion and lifestyle blog called Lily and Lemons. Um, And I actually was able to grow that blog organically through social media. I had created a Twitter account, um, Instagram account, Facebook page. And I really worked on growing an audience through those three platforms. So whether it was uh, making sure to post my new blog posts, um, engage with other bloggers, engage with companies, all of that fun stuff. And because of all of the effort and went to social media, I was able to grow my accounts and therefore grow my blog. And once my blog grew, I was able to partner with companies to do sponsored content. So I did a lot of um, like events. I did like reviewing their products, um, writing about anything specific they really wanted me to, which was really awesome. But as I started to work with these smaller companies, I realized that most of them either barely had a social media presence or had no social media presence at all. And coming from a blogger, I realized how important it was to have an online presence in order to grow that following, build those relationships, and eventually lead to sales. So I was like, oh, well, I kind of know social media because I did it for myself. So I think it'd be really cool to try it out on these other companies. So I did a lot of pro bono work with some smaller companies to just kind of dip my toes in the water and create strategies, manage their social media accounts, grow their accounts, all of that stuff. And then once I kind of was familiar with it and knew what I was doing, I got into more freelancing and eventually established Dash of Social. That is awesome. I really want to talk a little bit more at 15 for you to know about social media and how to kind of get on there and really go for it. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I kind of want to see what was the light switch moment for you on what sparked you to really go more into the social media while you had a blog? What was the turning point for you to really go more into the the social media part of 
adding more content on there and really understanding that that's a huge part of the future. Yeah, absolutely. So I had started my blog and for the first couple of months, I didn't really see much growth. And obviously when anyone starts any type of venture, whether it's a blog or a business or some other passion project, we will all want to see it grow. So I thought to myself, what's something I can do that's kind of relevant and fairly easy um, and inexpensive to grow this blog? And that's kind of what led me to social media, especially because with millennials, we grew up in the social media age. We're familiar with using it for friends and family, but it isn't until we get older where we kind of make that switch to using social media for business and our careers. So I kind of made that switch, I guess, a little bit early at 15, and I turned to social media to grow my blog that way. And that's when I became really familiar with how the platforms work and how each platform has a different use for what you're doing. And I actually really got into social media through tweet chats, um, which unfortunately aren't as popular now. Um, which is sad to say because Twitter is my favorite platform, but I did a lot of tweet chats every single week and that's kind of how I grew my blog and also learned about online marketing a little bit more because so many of the tweet chats I joined were based on marketing. And so I connected with a lot of awesome people and I learned a lot of things through there, which was really cool to do. That is awesome. I know that with, uh, as you said, the interesting part about social media that people forget about is that each platform, like you said, has a different uh, audience and different kind of content they want to see. And I actually just posted, I think, a video last week about that, about you can't post all the same content on different platforms or else it's just not going to work. And you bring up a really great point about the tweet chats and Twitter because uh, I know, at least from what I've seen for others and myself, especially for women, Twitter, either you like it or you hate it because <laughs> it's either a lot to do and a lot of posts or you actually like those 140 characters to go through. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I think something that's cool about this too is your start was really, uh, I think was really interesting how you kind of, uh, what's it called? You kind of combined your passion for what you were doing for social media and really began an organic transition to what you're doing now and I wonder when you were going through this transition from from blogger to social media consultant what were your friends and family what were they saying did they have any kind of resistance against it or did they understand and really were supporting you so I originally didn't really tell any friends or people my age because I felt at such a young age people wouldn't really get it um, I officially had, even though I started my blog at 15, I didn't start doing social media work for companies until I was 17. But even then, that's still considered pretty young to kind of have an entrepreneurial mindset. So I didn't really tell many people my age just because they, I know they wouldn't really understand. I told my family and they were definitely supportive of it. And my family is even more supportive of it now, which is amazing. I'm so thankful to have family who believe in what I do, uh, which is really great and definitely keeps me going. And now I also am really open about it in my, I guess, personal life. And a lot of my friends and acquaintances that I have that are my age know as well. But I definitely consider myself lucky to kind of had had that support from the beginning because I know that with young entrepreneurs, unfortunately, people don't always get the support that they are looking for or need from those around them. Yes, I, I think that's something that I 
I really wanted to touch more on for the podcast and kind of seeing people's stories because everyone has a different support system. And I think that it can be really difficult for those who are starting out or even those who are in it. If you don't have a good, even if it's family or friends or, you know, uh, colleagues, if you don't have people who you can lean on, it can be really difficult to continue this uh, entrepreneurial road. Yes, absolutely. I 100% agree. And especially because being an entrepreneur has so many ups and downs and you can't really go through the downs alone. So kind of having those people, whether it's family, friends, or even business friends to lean back on when things get tough is really vital for kind of having a successful business. Yes, I completely agree. And this actually brings us into a really good topic that I talked about my first episode and I ask each guest because I think it's really interesting is now that we've talked about the external environment and kind of how it was to have the support system around you, was there ever any internal struggle, especially being uh, younger starting out? Did you have any kind of limiting beliefs or mindset you had to get through like imposter syndrome, anything like that kind of popped up for you that you had to overcome? Um, so definitely imposter syndrome was something that I faced in the beginning of my business, especially because unfortunately ageism is so real with millennials and people who are older tend to think that just because we are young, we don't know what we're talking about because we don't have as many years experience as them, but years experience doesn't really equate to knowledge in my opinion. So I have had the pleasure of working with really awesome clients who are some even double my age, maybe even almost triple my age, who have said to me, I am so impressed and so amazed by everything that you know at such a young age. And I know that you're on to big things, which is really important to me. Um, So kind of making sure to surround myself with people who um, kind of really see the value in me will really help to kind of get past that imposter syndrome. Um, So that's kind of one thing that I face as a struggle in business, a struggle in my personal life that I've been facing for the past two years that has that I've been juggling with my business is my mom was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer the day after my 19th birthday. So one thing that I do is I'm actually a caretaker for her about four days a week. So she had a stroke last February, actually almost a year ago, and that caused her to lose the function in the right side of her body, which means she's bound to a wheelchair. So each morning in between client calls and doing all my other work, I get her up and dressed and down the stairs and feed her and everything um, and juggle my business at the same time. But I am completely blessed to have that support system that we were just talking about that's there to kind of um, be there for me to fall back on when things get tough. And I'm incredibly thankful to have amazing clients who are aware of my situation and completely understand it. So that way, um, if I'm like, if something comes up, then I know that it's not going to be an issue at all. If I could give you a virtual hug right now, I seriously would, because you and I have gone through (laughs) very, very, very similar life journeys, because as I actually just put up the first episode, so it should be going through iTunes validation soon, but this is the first time I've ever talked about it on air was yesterday, and I'll tell you uh, today is actually my biological mom. She passed away from three times of breast cancer when I was nine, and then Later on, my dad remarried to this amazing woman uh, who actually was diagnosed with AML leukemia around my senior year of high school, and I was her caregiver before she passed away, before I graduated high school. So I completely understand what you mean about the, the juggling between the two. 
Wow, yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that, but that's one of the great things about entrepreneurship is that we're connected to people who truly understand the journeys that we're on and the situations that we're facing. So that's amazing. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, as probably you know, a lot of the the internet friends that you have now, before it used to be kind of a, a stigma between, oh, I have an uh, internet friend or I have this kind of thing where they think, oh, it might be a bad person, especially when you're younger. It could be, you know, it could be a stranger danger situation. But today it's really connecting through through the internet sphere that I just think is so, so amazing and so grateful that we have this kind of communication that's so easy. Like we're talking through um, invisible waves of Wi-Fi right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you're exactly right. Um, I kind of have like a little group of friends that I talk to through Slack every single day, and most of them are web designers, um, but we speak every single day, all day long, and it's funny because all of us say to each other, most of us haven't met in person yet, some of them have, but they're like, most of us haven't even met in person yet, and I feel closer to all of you guys than I do to my real life friends, which is, I think is amazing, and I feel the same way that I'm so lucky to be connected to people constantly through social media platforms and other various online communities that kind of make me realize that I'm not alone in this journey. And that's kind of relates back to the fact of the support system that we've said and kind of discussing with people my age about what I'm doing is the fact that people my age may not understand that I own a business and what it involves and that it's actually real. Um, but people online truly understand being an entrepreneur and all the hard work and dedication and frustration, but also happiness that it brings. And it's really nice to know that I have like-minded people to turn to. Yes, I, I completely agree. And it's really nice to have just some key people in your life, even if it's through Slack or through any kind of Facebook group. I think yesterday I actually posted something because I woke up and realized my trash is over full. I need to do the laundry. I need like all of these <laughs> things. And I was like, hey, guys, I need to know that I'm not alone for <laughs> just to make sure that I'm not crazy. And I got probably over 40 responses from other women saying, yes, I completely understand. I have, you know, uh, haven't taken out my trash or this kind of stuff. So it's really great to see people who can relate to you and that's kind of why this podcast is awesome because it really shows the the real side and the the behind the veil side that a lot of people don't see they usually just see the instagram pictures or whatever it might be right exactly and i'm so glad that you mentioned that because i'm a firm believer in being transparent on social media because as you said a lot of people tend to use instagram as the pretty side and so people always make that joke instagram versus reality but one thing that i really um, believe in is just being transparent and showing myself as a person rather than as a business owner, because that's what really builds those connections and um, grows that following. So that's one thing I'm passionate about is just kind of being honest and transparent and open about who I am and not trying to show any level of perfectionism at all, because that is far from me. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree. And actually, that's a really great point to bring up is I noticed that as well with Instagram, people that really have a hard time with accepting that, yes, you can have pretty pictures, but it's better to have 
an actual life on there and to really show um, yourself, whether it's makeup free or whatnot, to have it on there. And something I wanted to bring up to you, especially since you're in the social media consultant world, is when you began this business, uh, what did you know about branding and how did you think it was for your business? For example, like you created this name of Dash of Social. Uh, what was the switch from instead of putting your own name like Ashley Mason going for that and kind of like the pink hues that you have and all these little nuances that most people don't see, but people like me who love I'm a branding nerd and website designer really <laughs> like those kind of uh, personal touches. Yeah, definitely. So um, I didn't start Dash of Social until September 2016. Uh, so I've been in business for that a year and a half. But before that, I was freelancing. So I wasn't really under a name. So I was just kind of Ashley Mason, freelancer. <laughs> and um, I decided to switch to Dash of Social because I kind of wanted to establish myself as a brand instead of as a person, even though they, they are the same in a sense. But I wanted to kind of have a company instead of my brand name. Um, and I'm a little bit weird and kind of worried. I'm like, what if when I get married one day and my last name isn't Mason anymore, what am I going to have to do? <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to go through a rebrand. Um, so that's, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's one of the reasons why I didn't go with my name. Um, so I went with Dash or social because it just kind of popped in my head one day. Um, I didn't want to stress myself out trying to force myself to think of a name. I wanted a name to come naturally to me because I felt like it would, be more genuine. So that's kind of how Dash of Social came about and it just stuck and it's something that I kind of fell in love with. And then as for all of the pink, I have been obsessed with pink for as long as I can remember. And my whole entire office has just pink accents and accessories <laughs> everywhere. So for me to not incorporate pink into my brand would not be me at all. <laughs> so that was kind of how I made sure that I brought Ashley Mason into Dash of Social by having all of the pink hues. That is so awesome. And that's actually something that I think a lot of people forget starting out, even for myself. When I first started my business, I started with uh, purple, even though I had no association to purple whatsoever. But I was like, oh, women like purple. Purple would probably be great. <laughs> and then I realized, I look at my closet, I have maybe one purple shirt. That's it. <laughs> and it took me to realize, okay, what are the biggest colors that I have? in my wardrobe, and I really think this is true, as you can probably understand, is when you look around or what you have on, what are the colors that you usually wear? Because those are the colors that you should have, you know, for your brand, because you like those colors enough to have 10 or 15 shirts like me <laughs> with blue or with white or with black, whatever it might be. And that's kind of why I love that you mentioned that, because it's very easy for people just to choose a color based on what they think people would like versus what is actually true to them. Yes, absolutely. And I know that some people tend to choose colors based off of the meaning of colors. Um, so obviously, you know that so many colors, as, well, as a web designer and everything and branding, you know that so many colors have different meanings behind them. Um, and I've noticed that that's why some people that I've worked with have chosen their brand colors. But personally, for me, that was something that just didn't feel right to me. I didn't want to choose a color just because of its meaning, because I'm like, that color doesn't really fit me as a person. So it was really important for me to kind of stick with that pink in my design throughout. Yes, I, I think that was a great choice too. I understand completely because when I looked at color theory and all that kind of stuff, there was yellow, obviously, is a very 
interesting color to have. Um, but whenever I went through an exercise, which I recommend to anyone, is to figure out what your brand keywords are, is to ask your friends and family how would they describe you in two to three words. And mine, most most of them came up to be uh, bright, sunshine, yellow, sunflower. And I was like, you know, I like the idea of yellow, but I don't have any yellow and I have blonde hair. So this will look really terrible if my whole brand is around yellow. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, I completely understand because color theory does play a part, but it's also being true to yourself. And I think what's really interesting for you is I really want to talk more about going back to the different social media platforms and how they play a part for yourself and your business currently, what is your favorite social media platform to be on and kind of why you uh, choose to be there? So my favorite is Twitter um, because I actually, I think it's because I'm really biased and I started (laughs) out on Twitter uh, six years ago when I had started my blog. So um, that's kind of why I love it. I think it's really easy to share quick news. It's really easy to build relationships with people. Um, and that's kind of why I like it. But I've also really grown um, a love for Facebook. So I have done a bunch of testing on Facebook, especially with their algorithm change to determine which type of content works best for me. And it's kind of why I'm so kind of the, the type of content that does well for me there is really personal content. Um, so that's kind of why I'm so, I guess, we're passionate about being honest and transparent in my business is the fact that I know for a fact that's the type of people, the type of content people like to see. Um, so on Facebook, I will post a bunch of content that's just really personal and I rarely ever try to sell my services on there, but it's always the, I guess, personal side and, um, transparent side that people appreciate on there. So I've posted things about getting featured in publications. I've posted about, um, treating myself to an Apple Watch, and people like just loved that. Um, my most popular Facebook post that over 90 likes is the fact that I got a desk, and it's me <laughs> sitting at my pink chair in my desk, and people like ate that up. So I really love Facebook for that reason. It's the fact that I'm able to be truly transparent and know that it's something that people will appreciate. And I also love Facebook groups. Um, it's an awesome way to connect with like-minded entrepreneurs and really grow those relationships. So that's why I really grown to like Facebook, even though a lot of people tend to get frustrated with it. Um, I've definitely found a sweet spot in it, which has been really awesome. That is such a good point, actually. With Facebook, I noticed that as well, was if you do, especially with the algorithms, if you do any kind of links or stuff to that, you already get downgraded. So if you try and post more of a personal story or what's going on in your week, people really underestimate the power of sharing your life. (laughs) Like, they really Uh do. And I wanted to mention, too, since you were a freelancer, and I was too, and I think everyone out there at some point was some form of a freelancer, a lot of people say networking on Facebook groups is a really good way to find clients. And I wonder if you agree with that statement or if you found it to be true or maybe a little less true now that there's been so many more people shifting towards Facebook. I would say it really depends on the Facebook group, but I have found a lot of success, actually, um, with getting clients through Facebook groups. So one of my absolute favorite Facebook groups is called Boston Businesswomen, and it's exactly what it's titled. It's a group of Boston-based women business owners. And so I have gotten so many clients through there, which has been amazing because even though I work with clients nationally, I've started to really 
get a bunch of clients locally, which is like really cool because I'm able to meet my clients in real life, which is one of the most amazing things ever. But that group has just been amazing for connecting with people. But one thing that I think people don't realize that they really need to keep in mind when it comes to getting clients through Facebook groups is that it's Facebook groups aren't really meant for promoting yourself. It's meant for helping others. So there's been so many questions about people asking about social media things. And whenever I respond to those posts, I never, ever throw in a promotional tag um, unless they say specifically that they're looking to hire someone. So if someone um, just asked a question about Instagram straight out, I will just answer it. I won't promote myself as a social media consultant or try to get them to jump on the phone with me. I just answer it because um, I don't think people realize that when they promote themselves without being asked to, it really tends to turn people off. But when you show a genuine side and a genuine want for helping people and without expecting anything in return, that kind of helps to build that brand awareness for yourself. It builds trust and credibility. And eventually people will remember you as that go-to expert for social, social media, which luckily has happened for me in my situation and that group. And they will therefore end up inquiring with you and hiring you down the line. That is a really good note. I think that People forget, especially when you're in your first year or two and you want clients, people go so um, so much into the link sharing, even though sometimes obviously you're not supposed to, that they forget about the, the serving side. And I think that you've probably heard of Gary Vaynerchuk, his like yes. serve, 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 sell, or jab, 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 um, right hook. It just, people forget that you have to put out a lot more serving and a lot more content than putting out actual selling part. And I think that's really good to know for anyone who's listening to this, that make sure that you're giving more of your time and your energy and information than you are the selling aspect, because they'll come back for you if you give them enough valuable content. Yes, I completely agree. Um, To be honest, it kind of makes me cringe when someone asks a question about just a simple question about something. And I see people commenting and instead of just answering their question flat out, they're trying to get them to take a look at their website or schedule a phone call with them. Um, So I completely agree. And that's the approach that I take as well as the approach that I teach my clients is to really serve people and provide that free advice. And eventually, people will come back and look to hire you and work with you because they have valued all of the free help that you've given and that you've provided for free. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's it's completely true. And I think something that'd be interesting for uh, the audience to hear is going back to your journey. What would be one thing that you that you would tell yourself just starting out that you would have wished that you knew beforehand? So the one thing that I wish I knew beforehand was to follow my gut when it comes to taking on clients, because I like what you just said about how when we're just starting out, all we want is clients and because we think that's the quickest way to grow our businesses. But as I've realized in this past year and a half of having Dash of Social, I have really good intuition and it kind of took me a while to understand that and realize that. So every time that I've kind of felt a little iffy about taking on a client, that client has ended up being um, really hard for me. And it's been a little bit of a struggle and really stressful to juggle the projects that I've been working on. And so it took me kind of a little bit to really listen to myself and understand the red flags that we get when we speak to someone. And if we don't think that they'll be a good fit, 
to follow your gut. As cliche as it sounds, we really need to listen to what our bodies and minds are telling us when it comes to things like that. And not even just taking on clients, but just anything in business in general. If you're ever faced with a situation where it really doesn't feel like it'd be a good fit for you, or you really just don't feel comfortable doing it, or it's unethical, or anything along those lines, listen to yourself, and you'll end up feeling so much better later words. Um, and you'll end up just kind of saving yourself a lot of time and stress. I always say it's not about the money, it's about the happiness. So don't let dollar signs convince you to do a project that you really don't feel like would work for you. Um, just really feel, just really think about what would make you happy in that sense. And I um, kind of going along those lines with the fact that whenever I turn down a project, I sometimes I get a little bummed out because I'm like, oh, it would have been a cool experience, but I've noticed that every time I've turned something down or even every time I've been turned down from something, a few more projects pop up. Um, it was just a few weeks ago, ironically, that I was turned down from a project that I was actually really would have been really excited to work on. And literally the next day I signed three new clients. So it's kind <laughs> of always the fact it was super weird, but that's kind of the intuition that I've had. But it really relates back to um, just listening to what your body and mind is telling you and go with it. That is amazing. And I actually have, I think we're on parallel paths because I actually had the same thing happen last week where there is a, an opening for a company that I really believe in for um, a project that I was going to try and work on, applied for, I would be a very good fit. And then at the last minute, they decide to close it off and have someone internally, which is fine. But obviously, I felt a little bit bummed. And then the next day, I had a client who signed me up for my full services. So like you said, you really, even though you might want certain things, or if you don't feel that connection towards it, it's better to just not go for it, stay true to yourself and really look for the ones that make you happy and make you joyful to be at your business. Yes, you're 100% right about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then one of the last things that I wanted to ask Jess to help out our audience is what are one of the two lesser known tools that you use consistent consistently that really help out you and your business and kind of just what you do in general? Yeah, absolutely. So the number one tool that I swear by is Viral Tag. It is a social media scheduler. Um, I love to use it for Twitter and Instagram specifically. I don't use it for Facebook because I prefer to use Facebook's native scheduler. But I personally love Viral Tag for its evergreen feature. So it has this really awesome feature on it where you can literally add a bunch of posts at once, once to a queue. And you can set designated timeframes, so specific days and specific times that you want posts to be sent out. And if you don't have content already scheduled for those days and times, then Viral Tag will literally pull those posts from your queue and automatically send them out for you. And that has been a tremendous help for my own brand because I don't know exactly how the saying goes, but I think it's something like the shoe cobbler son doesn't have shoes or something like that. <laughs> and it's true. I work so hard to help my clients with their social media that oftentimes my own social media is slacking. So by having that feature on viral tag where tweets are automatically getting sent out from a queue for me, it saves me so much time and stress with scheduling my own social media, which is huge. Um, and then the second tool that I love, which is, I wouldn't say it's lesser known. Um, I'd say I know of a lot of people who use it, but I love Trello. Um, I have like a million boards on there. I have a board for like 
keep tracking my bookkeeping, basic bookkeeping. Um, I use it for planning content. I use it for to-do lists. I use it for certain projects, setting goals for the year. Uh, it's just amazing for keeping so many ideas and notes and everything wrapped into one place. That is amazing. I've, I've heard of Trello tech or Trello. I've actually, I use Asana right now. I'm going to try and migrate and add in a little more Trello later on. But for right now, that's where I'm at. And I really think it's interesting to hear the viral tag, especially the evergreen feature. That is a game changer for anyone who does not, for example, you and I both have this where when you're doing so much for your clients, you just don't have enough time to really make sure all your content's coming out you know, consistently. So to have that evergreen feature is really helpful. Absolutely. And that's kind of what saved me. Like you said, it was an absolute game changer. So that's what's been really helpful to me is the fact that I can't even remember the last time that I've scheduled tweets for myself. I mean, um, sometimes I'll go in and live tweet and whatnot, but I can't remember the last time that I've scheduled tweets for myself just because I haven't had the time. So knowing that tweets are getting sent out for me um, is really great with kind of making sure that my Twitter stays active and that I'm still getting that engagement even when I'm not physically able to schedule new content. That is such a good tip. Okay. So the last thing is, now that we're finally in the present, what are the current workings that you want to give the audience a little taste on, or what can they look out for or join? So I had recently, I'd say about a month ago, launched a Facebook group with one of my best friends. She is a web designer and developer, so we launched a Facebook group called Internet Fame Master Your Online Presence. And it's all about online marketing, because she's an awesome designer and copywriter. So she handles those aspects. And I handle the social media part, and we both kind of tackle things like email marketing and blogging. So what we've been doing is having weekly themes in there. Um, so this week, we we're talk I've been talking about how to automate your social media. Last week, Liz talked about email marketing. Um, the week before that, I talked about how to get around Facebook's new algorithm. So it's been really great to share this free advice with people and kind of build that community and know that we're helping others to take advantage of their own marketing and bring it up to their standards. That is awesome to hear. And guys, that'll be in the show notes. So you guys can click on it and join because that is awesome. If you guys heard, she gives free content. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there you guys have it. Thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Female Entrepreneur's Journey with Danielle Clem. If you like our show and want to know more, check out the show notes to join in the Insiders Facebook group or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next week for another dose of business, branding, and everything in between. See you then.